As Canadians, we tend to indulge in a lot of American media, whether it's their shows, their movies, their music, or even their news. We often dedicate a hefty portion of our media diet to them. For decades, American media has conquered global attention, but sometimes it can work the other way around. Shows like Shit's Creek, authors like Margaret Atwood, and musicians like The Weeknd have crossed over and captured the hearts of people across the world, and sometimes even just beyond the border. We were recently contacted by an American journalist named Amber Healy. Amber grew up near the Ontario border, close enough that she was exposed to Canadian radio and television, and it made an impression on her. So much so that Amber is in the process of writing a book about the Kingston music scene, and she contacted us as part of her research. It's become a tradition at this point that our December podcast tends to have a retrospective angle, so this seemed like a good opportunity to do something a little different. Submitted for your approval: a reverse interview. The audience in Kingston is is incredibly supportive. We're all sort of doing it together. There's something in every artist that comes out of Kingston that feels like it's an outlier. It is a strange and wild and wonderful place. Started. Hello, it's John here, and Rob is with me. Hello, hello, Ange. Hi, and Amber Healy. Hi, welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having us, because <laughs> this is going to be a little bit of a reversal <laughs> this time. You're going to be interviewing us, which I'm very excited about. Uh, I But wanted... I have so many questions, though. Oh, never mind. We're going to let Amber well, ask the questions. I have time. questions too, but we'll. I think this will just unfold naturally. Okay. We'll we'll kind of let this happen. I'm very interested to see where this goes. Me too. Uh, this is a new thing for us, so <laughs> this is this is very exciting. Uh, I will point out, just for the record, that no one in this room has any authority to speak on behalf of the entire Kingston scene. We are fans. We are part of the scene. But as I think you've been sort of learning, the web is very vast. There's a lot of moving parts and a lot of people to talk to, and you've—I think you've talked to some people already. Is that correct? Yeah, I've been in town since Monday afternoon, and this is this is Wednesday, so I've been in town for two full days at this point, and I've had—I've interviewed two sound engineers, the legendary Brian from Brian's Record Option. I've interviewed Virginia Clark. Uh, the three of you are kind enough to give me a little of your time today, which I greatly appreciate. And I have a handful of other interviews lined up for the through the course of the week. And, and that's I, before getting into the bands. And I think we gave you a whole bunch of things to put on your list too. Yes. So yeah, between yeah. people to talk to and bands to check out, which you know is a big part of the equation of of why I'm up here and what I'm hoping to do. Yeah. Well, tell us just briefly why you're up here and what you're doing. So it was early COVID, and I was sitting at home and looking out my window, as Wait, we all did in early COVID. Where? Sorry. Uh, right. So uh, up homes, here from where? I, I'm I'm from Buffalo, um, which is about a five hour drive, give or take. And or if you're like me, you want to break it up. You know, you spend the first night in Toronto or Scarborough seeing friends, and then you make the rest of the drive because it's about halfway. But yeah, early COVID, I was staring at my window and probably listening to a Canadian station or a hip record or something, and I thought, Wait a second. So in the past 30-ish years, 
Kingston has had three of the biggest bands in Canadian music. You've had The Hip, obviously. You've had The Headstones. And more recently, you have The Glorious Sons. And they're all from here. Kingston's not a huge city. The population sign on the edge of town says 133,000 people, give or take. How in the world has Kingston been able to so consistently support and produce these major bands? Not only that, but every, you know, the tip of every iceberg, there's everything underneath. So you have the three major bands that have come out of here. But I know that there's a current strong music scene here. How do, how do you support this? How is it possible? People come to Kingston. Are they coming here to be musicians? Do they come to Kingston and something musical happens to them? And then next thing you know, they're doing open mic nights or they're starting bands. Is it the university? Is it they want to be, you know, some band wants to be the next hip and they think, well, if they could do it here, so can we. And that's sort of where the idea for uh, my book came from. And I'm up here doing research for said book. And uh, yeah, I'm terrified and really excited. And, you know, we were talking before the mics turned on about rabbit holes. And this certainly is one. It's a whole universe that I'm really excited to learn about. And even just the conversations I've had so far have been really remarkable in that nobody can answer the question and nobody really wants to answer the question. There's something in the water. Yeah. <laughs> there must be. That's, that's, the that's like answer. the most, yeah. that's the easiest. I think answer. it's an alternate dimension, really, <laughs> yeah. that we're in. An alternate dimension here. Yeah, yeah. There's there's something about Kingston. And we hear it time and again. I don't know what episode of our podcast this will be. We'll have to look back. This could be episode 50. I'm not sure. We're getting close to 50. But on every episode, we we will ask a version of the same question of of our guests. And our, some many of our guests are artists. But we ask them, you know, what is it about Kingston? Yeah. And we, we, we get many, many different answers. And it's it's amazing. No one could really put their finger on it. It's a lot of different things. But I like to think it's an alternate dimension. Yeah. You're asking <laughs> the questions that we've been asking for. Are we close to four years now? How long has it been now? Yeah. Uh, I think our, our first. Three or four years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. January 2019 was the first episode. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a big question that. There isn't one answer to. We went seeking the answer to that question, and, and Kingston Live is the result of that. I feel like we've been dancing around it, though, whereas you're diving headfirst right into <laughs> it. I um, sure am. Far more brave and far, you know, you know it's... Um, we always thought that we'd probably find the answer pretty quickly and Kingston Live would be over and done with, you know, within a season or something like that. But we're, we realized that it's a bottomless pit and we'll never probably get to the end of it. And um, yeah. as you're discovering now, I and, think. Oh, <laughs> except it was really disappointing. I was checking into the hotel on Monday afternoon and, you know, you, you give the person your your driver's license and, oh, what are you doing up here from Buffalo? Oh, well, I'm in I'm in town to start researching my book. Oh, what's your book about? And I explain it. And he goes, oh, well, it's the college. End of discussion. Like, shrug of shoulders. <laughs> Why are you I asking stupid answer. questions? Done. <laughs> Done. Oh, well, thank you. I'm so glad that I'm wasting a week of my life in your, your hotel. hotel. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. But I, I think that's far too... I think that's part of it, and maybe a big part of it, but I think it's far too simplistic an answer. Well, we've identified many parts and many answers, which I'm sure we'll elaborate on, but the university is definitely a big one. It's become this kind of melting pot over the years of creativity and talent. Several bands have formed there. Several bands have come out of that scene. Well, and that's Queen's University you're talking about, but there's also St. Lawrence College that has a strong music program as well. Yep. There's RMC, the Royal Military College here as well. And 
there is Canadian Forces who has a presence here and a base here as well. And for many, many years, they had many musicians were stationed there as part of, I, I guess, the, the military bands and many musicians that, that lived and worked there, too. Yeah. I was just thinking to have like any kind of scene like that, too, you have to have the people that go out to those shows. And mm-hmm. so when you have a small like a place like Kingston that is so condensed to the downtown, we have so many venues that are right there. And then you have, yeah, colleges, universities, you have the people that can go to it and you have a lot of restaurants. So like some of the best music you'll find in Kingston will be on a Monday night industry night, like down at yeah. the Toucan, Ruben de Groot uh, and his band Rocket Surgery. Rocket Surgery. Mm-hmm. He's out in BC now, but he was back a few times a summer. Just you'd walk in and there's like eight dudes on the stage. They've got a <laughs> sax player, two drummers. You know, it's just, you're like, where am I? And what is going on? And why is this a Monday night in Kingston? But that's just like, yeah. that's what you get. I think you time. hit the nail on the head, Angie, because you just made me think of something, which is, you know, okay, so you were talking about the schools. And the, and, the, and the population that resides here. So, you, you know, but you, you've, you've got the supply, right, of new music being created here. But then you've got a network of venues. There are so many venues in Kingston. And those are important because those become the breeding ground for new and emerging artists to try their new material out. And then you've got a, the demand, on the demand side, people that want to go see the music and it's kind of all kind of clustered together mostly in the downtown but not exclusively in the downtown mm-hmm. but it's like you've almost got the perfect ingredients you know in this recipe called Kingston mm-hmm. for a thriving music scene right like you've got new music being made here um new talent coming here to you know study and make music uh, you've got amazing venues where they can practice and perform that music live and you've got audiences here that seem to want supportive it. audiences too. Supportive mm-hmm. audiences, as someone who yeah. does stand-up comedy, I can tell you <laughs> <laughs> they're very supportive here in Kingston. Yeah, and all the stuff that you guys are pointing out is stuff that has been brought up this week. Mm. But it's also okay. Let's be honest, right? It's great that the venues are very close to each other in the downtown core. That's wonderful because it gets really cold here. <laughs> People are still going out to see bands in January, oh, yeah. in February when it's minus whatever. And the wind's coming up off the lake and going outside freezes you to your core in about 45 seconds. But they're still going out to see those bands. That's right. And it's not just because... we get sweaty and we get hot and we right, dance. Right. <laughs> we but don't like, stay cold for long. You, you, you do go out. Yes. You know, there are, I've, I lived in the D.C. area for a number of years. And you know, people don't like being cold oh. in, <laughs> in Northern Virginia and in Washington, D.C. They don't like it. And their cold is not our cold. We do our best to embrace it up here, I feel like. <laughs> I was going to ask you something. This is a slight tangent. I was going to ask you something... Uh, I know Canadians have a reputation of being friendly. Yep. Is that that's correct? People are offering me they're offering me help with with contacts, they're offering to help set me up help me set up interviews, they're offering me concert tickets, they're offering me like just they want to help me tell this story in a way that Canadians are my favorite people and <laughs> I'm astounded by the generosity that essentially strangers have shown me this week. That's nice. It's remarkable. I'm I'm confounded by it. You know, Buffalo is the city of good neighbors, but I think Kingston could take the crown. Okay. Okay. Well, I have I have a theory about this. My theory is that Canadians are not so much friendly, which I think we are, but I think that comes from a sense of patience because we spend 
half of the year waiting for the other half of the year. <laughs> right. <laughs> on either side of the equation, you're waiting for the cold or you're waiting for the hot. Depends on who you are. Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you want a snowshoe or do Some you want like to... Some people like to snowmobile and like right. play hockey and all that. They're waiting for the winter. The summer's too hot. And everyone else wants to and go, then, you know, yeah. kayaking or water skiing or what have you. You're right. You're waiting for one or the other. No, we, we invent shit to get us through winter. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's what we do. No one Drinking wants games, the snowshoe. <laughs> <laughs> Did we really want to skate around on, on, on a cold rink? Right. No, time, but it's the, if that's how we have to get through it, we're going to, you know. Last time I skated, I bought skates. I went for one skate and then I gave them away to a kid. I was like, I can't, I'm not doing this. So you do have a hobby that <laughs> you gave up on. That's why we go to the music venues, Amber. <laughs> you have a hobby that you decided that it was okay to not be good at. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just yeah, acknowledge yeah. this. I, that's wonderful. Skating and throwing a Frisbee. Just forget about it. Throwing a Frisbee? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People, huh. are, people okay. say that Questions to me. They're like, that? why can't you do? I'm like, throw a Frisbee. Don't watch me. It's embarrassing. Huh. <laughs> of all things. I have, I have a question for Amber. Can I ask you a question? I wanted to ask you, you, you talked about your inspiration to, to, you know, investigate research and perhaps write a book on Kingston <laughs> and, our, and our music scene here, which is awesome. But can you tell our, our listeners and us a little bit about your credentials as, as a writer and a, and a journalist. Oh, gosh. Now you're making me prove myself. That's not terrifying. I, well, I just want everyone to know. <laughs> a stranger riding into oh town. Oh, my gosh. You're, you, you know, you aren't just, you know, a Canadian music lover living in Buffalo right. who just decided one day, it's like, there's something about this Kingston place, and I'm well, going to write something about Talking it. an old-time radio am. voice. Yeah. <laughs> you do it better than I do. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there is, there is that. Like, that's where it all started, right? Like, mm-hmm. I grew up in Buffalo, Western New York, listening right. to... The Canadian radio stations, mm-hmm. much like a lot of my Canadian friends grew up watching Channel 7 out of so Buffalo. So you would know who the Spoons were and Platinum yeah. Blonde yeah. and like yeah. you know, all the great... You know, Corey Hart. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Glass Tiger. Oh, yeah. All of them. All of Don't them. Yeah. Me, I think my introduction, but when I emailed you guys at first, it was like, I grew up watching video hits with my mom in the 80s and it started there. This is my mom's fault. Mom, <laughs> if you're listening, thank you. And I'm sorry, but also you did this. So... But Amber, it's, I have to tell you that Brian Adams was born in Kingston. I've, I've. Did you know that? I I've just heard. found that out like rather recently. I learned. Really? I learned really? that this week. I know. I, know I should Vancouver, have known that earlier. Uh, claims him, but we'll I've learned that. that this week. Yeah. That that is relatively new. Crazy. Because I've been talking to. <laughs> Maybe there is something in the water. But to to your question, mm-hmm. so I started writing as like a journalist, and I'm using the term loosely uh, when I was like 16, and went to school for journalism. I've worked as a reporter for most of my adult life. I also, in 2014, when I had just moved back to to Maryland for a job, I was listening to uh, the Geeks and Beats podcast and thought, well, this sounds like fun. Oh, my God. Alan Cross is on there. I know him. I grew up listening to him on 102. And so I, I emailed them off and was like, hey, I'm in the D.C. area. I'm very close to where Dave Grohl grew up. If you ever need somebody to cover something down here, like, I'm your girl. And I heard from Michael Hainsworth within a couple of hours and almost had a meltdown because, oh, my God, Alan Cross is going to know who I am. <sighs> fangirl. Everybody fangirls so when they meet him. So I wrote for Geeks and Beats for a while. When that went on hiatus, a.k.a. died the first time, I emailed Alan on the side and I said, hey, like, you know, could I possibly keep writing for you? Because this has been really fun for the past year or so. It's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. So I've been writing for a Journal of Musical Things since February of 2016. And I still do that. And um, Michael Hainsworth and I are now in a separate side project 
uh, called Where's My Jetpack that just launched. But I've been writing about music since November 2014 or so, and I still do it, and I love it. And when you love something, you want to know more about it, and you're naturally curious. And when it comes to music, like, Canada's had my heart since I was a kid, to the point where when I moved back home to Buffalo in early 2016, like, I went out and got my maple leaf tattoo shortly after that. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm I'm fully committed now at this point. <laughs> you can There's no going back. <laughs> there's no going back. It's the flag leaf and not the hockey team, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. Correct. <laughs> Though I have to, my, my Buffalo friends get mad at me for this, but the Leafs have always been my second team because I love Toronto. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was born in the wrong country, clearly. <laughs> Sounds that way. So yeah. close to it, though. I know. So close. Yeah, yeah. Sarah Palin's got nothing on how I can see Canada from my house. <laughs> Wait, now, at some point in your, your, your career, you, you did some deep dives on, on the tragic Leap, am I right? Yep. Yep. Um, one of the more surreal moments of my life was when um, Geeks and Beasts was back for the second time. And, you know, we knew that Gord wasn't doing so great. And it was in August of twenty. 17? It was in August of that terrible year that um, Vanessa, who was the producer for Geeks and Beats... I think that would be 2017. Oh, yeah, 2017. This is the year after the the show. That's right. Um, But, you know, she she emailed me and she was like, listen, um, Gord's not doing great, and Michael and Alan have talked about it, and they want you to write the obituary that we will hold on to and publish when, you know... And she couldn't finish the sentence, and I didn't want to hear the end of the sentence. Um, So I wrote a sentence and burst into tears and I called her back and I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. But she's like, well, don't write it all today. Take your time. So I ended up writing the obituary that we published that awful morning. And I, before that, I I sort of covered from afar the last Kingston show. I've written a few articles about the uh, Downey One Jack Fund and the Courage for Gord organization and the Walk for One Jack when people went out to sort of retrace Channy One Jack's last steps yeah, I've I've written a couple of things about the hip, uh, you could say. <laughs> but, you know, the, the book isn't going to be just about the hip because it's too easy. Mm-hmm. And they're working on their own thing. And Michael Barclay already did it. So between the band and him, but they have to be mentioned because I think they are the North Star for a lot of bands that come from Kingston or get their start in Kingston or play in Kingston. Because if they could do it, why couldn't some other band sort of, you know, not hanging on coattails, but there's a path. There, there's a path for stardom and celebrity in music in Kingston. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. I mean, I think, you know, the fact that there's an environment here, an economy here that seems to be consistently producing high caliber artists and bands I mean, you named three at the beginning of this episode, and we could probably name another dozen that, like, you mm-hmm. know, that are even internationally famous and stuff like sure. that. But, like, I, I think what I'm trying to say is that there's Tragically Hip or or an exemplary band that seems to be symbolic of what's been going on here in Kingston for many decades. And that's the thing. If it had, quote-unquote, just been the hip, that would have been enough for you know Kingston to hang its hat on and say, we created, we birthed, we supported these guys. But you didn't stop there. And you haven't stopped. I'm really looking forward to 
the local bands that I have seen, the bands that I've sort of befriended over the past couple of years and the ones that I'm going to continue to learn about and hear about. And whether I see them live or, or pick them up somewhere, you know, YouTube, Internet, magical portals, whatever. And this is the heart of the question is, how does this keep happening? How does the city keep supporting bands? And, you know, someone said it's because the audiences are so attuned to good music that they're willing to go out and take a risk to listen to somebody they don't know because they might be the next big thing or they might just be their next favorite band. The audiences here are smart and they're they've got good ears. Another thing you'll find in Kingston, if you were here for a few weeks and went out consistently to watch music, you would say, how come that guy plays in that band, that band, and that band? (laughs) Yes. So there are a lot of bands in Kingston, but there are also a lot of musicians who will go from band to band, like uh, Dan Curtis. He's one Mm -hmm. of the ones that comes to mind. Uh, He's got the Dan Curtis band, but he also played with Emily Fennell for years, like plays with Ruben. He's up there. He's playing. And he's, you know, that's what he does. I mean, and so a lot of them move around like that there and that that's sort of a, the plug and play camaraderie of yeah. the musicians here which is phenomenal you also saw it in seattle in the 90s yeah because everybody was in everybody else's band they mm-hmm. supported each other if you know some your bassist breaks his hand somebody else can come up and give him a day to learn your stuff and there he is they're so supportive here too though of like like i just started playing the drums years ago but until recently i hadn't played on stage before we're at musiki the other night my buddy looks at me points at me says come up i'm like i guess this is when i start playing in front of audiences <laughs> and just sat there and played for like 15 minutes and you know what i mean like where what city do you get an opportunity to just do that in where right. someone's just like hey i know you've been learning this and we're having an open jam so come up here you know yeah. it's just like to have the opportunity to do that is important as well. And so some places, I think, just don't ha- they don't have that opportunity, and Kingston does. One of the—we were definitely touching on this. One of the, the big things is a sense of community mm-hmm. here. And it's one of the things a lot of our guests on the podcast say is— it's a not a competition, it's a collaboration. Yep. Yep. There's this mm-hmm. real sense of community. And I think part of that comes from, uh, I was reading an article a while back about how Australia and the U.S. dealt with COVID. Uh, Australia, long story short, did a lot better. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whereas America did <laughs> very poorly. We, mm-hmm. we don't need to get into the details of that. But they were asking why did that happen? How did it play out that way? And the thing they came back to was trust and community, like trust in the science, Mm, trust in the institutions, trust in your neighbors. And I think we have something like that happening here. And I think part of it is really, it's almost out of necessity because we've talked before, you know, both on mic and off about how it's a very grassroots kind of thing. People are sort of building it from the ground up. Mm -hmm. If you go to some of the local music festivals, it's basically all locally driven. Mm -hmm. You know, all the vendors, all the bands, sponsors, everything. And I think that's just a reflection of how life works. You know, you need to build a community to survive. And I think the Kingston music scene follows a similar pattern. Certainly. There's there's this mentality of like, you know, giving a hand up to the to the up and coming emerging acts as well. It's it's often the established acts will be working to like, you know, help bring Mm -hmm. and graduate those those up and coming or, or, you know, the upstart bands and artists 
up through the ranks and, and stuff. And, and so like everyone's helping each other out. It seems that way to me, you know, you yep. see that a lot. Yeah. Right? yeah. We have a lot of radio stations too. We have like six, <laughs> seven radio stations. I worked in commercial radio for 20 years. And so I interviewed a lot of bands in that time. And that's one thing, you know, even from someone who was like just get, getting on their feet and like starting out to members of the hip, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it is such a sense of community where you can just write Rob Baker and be like, hey, can you come in the studio in the morning? And like I have stories with him, with that guy, like for some for like a while I was having a weird panic attacks when I was reading the news and it came out of nowhere, like 10 years into my career. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, Rob Baker came in the studio and I had this moment where I was like, I can go in the other room and do this alone and be fine. Or I can like have a panic attack in front of Rob Baker. What do I do? (laughs) So I was just like, all right, here we go. I've done this a million times. And I I remember I got through the newscast. It was like I was just kept telling myself I've done this a million times. And at the end, Rob looked at me and he said, I don't know if he knew what was going on or whatever, but he just said, you're smooth. And I was like, damn. <laughs> and I never had another panic attack uh, that after little, that. That little reassurance. It was just like, yeah, you know what I mean? But like, those, that's the kind of dude, you run an appalling wall, he gives you a hug in the street. Like, right. they are a part of this community. So where some people like put them on a pedestal in a sense where they're like, whoa, they hit in Kingston. People who live in this community and walk the streets, like... They know, like, there's there's such an integral part and in what they yep. do for people. Like, it really is amazing. Yeah. My non-Kingston friends are always shocked when I tell them, you'll just see Rob Baker just out walking the dog. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think that's another part of Kingston's success as well is the fact that we have people who have had success, but they either came back or they stayed in the community and they're yeah. involved in yes. the community. There's a lot to be said for for the roots of the music community here mm-hmm. and and take the word root in any way that you'd like. The people who grew up here grow up surrounded by music. It's not surprising that they would in turn themselves become musicians or become lifelong fans who are devoted to going to see new bands because they know that this is what it takes to build their community and they appreciate that part of their city. Or they're willing to help out. They're willing to, you know, to roadie. They're willing to, you know, help with sound or, or, or hey, I can't see this band tonight, but my friends are playing. You should go check them out. And it just, it's so, it seems to me as the outsider here, music is so woven into the fabric of the city that one of the questions I've been asking people this week, and um, I, I would like to ask the three of you as people who know far more than I do, what is Kingston without music? What would Kingston be if the venues went away, the bands went away, or it went down to the level of like a quote unquote normal city that doesn't have it's so deeply steeped into the the fabric of your town. Like, what would Kingston be if the music went away? I want to say we'd still have lots of restaurants, <laughs> but I don't think that's true either. No, it, you know that you think of uh, like someone like uh, Zal Yunovsky mm-hmm. from yeah. Love and Spoonful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah, and it's, that, it's all interconnected. It's all woven in. Yeah, exactly. I remember there. we were we were interviewing um, Hugh Christopher Brown back in for our January episode along with Stephen Hyten, who sadly passed away, <clears throat> an incredible poet and um, and a, and a great singer songwriter as well. But um, uh, Chris Brown was pointing out the fact that you know this area has been a nexus for for species and culture mm-hmm. for 
millennia, right? I mean, we're at the base of the Frontenac Arch biosphere where life just pours into this basin. You know, we're on the lands of the Anishinaabe and, and Haudenosaunee people as well. And this was a culturally rich area and diverse area before there was ever European settlers. And then and then after that, after the city of Kingston was established, this was one of those port towns where, you know, migrants poured into. And I think that it just got baked into the DNA of Kingston music and culture, just kind of got baked into it because this has been just a crossroads for for culture and people and the mixing of just everything, of life here for so long. And, I, and so I don't know if you could ever pull it out of Kingston, you know, I don't know. But there are a lot of things that go into supporting a music economy like this that are here that many other cities, I think, wish that they had and mm-hmm. wonder how to do uh, themselves. And we have it naturally. And I think that Kingston Live was our attempt to make sure that we were doing our part as live music lovers, you know, and good citizens to continue to just nurture it in a way that we can, uh, because sometimes all the ways that it's being nurtured already aren't as obvious to people. Mm -hmm. Something we've been dancing around, I think, this whole conversation is uh, the geography and I don't think yep. that's something that can be understated in the mm-hmm. importance sure. of Kingston's music scene. Because you look at Canada, Canada is a huge piece of land, very sparsely populated. And I know a few bands have stated before that Canada's very hard to tour, mm-hmm. you know, which is evidenced by, you know, if there's a big uh, U.S. act or international act, they usually play Toronto, Vancouver, and maybe Montreal. Yep. Because it's just so damn hard to They're tour not hitting the prairies. Canada. No, uh, you know, maybe... nobody's going to Winnipeg. Right. <laughs> Calgary, where? Right, right. Actually, Winnipeg is a very thriving arts and cultural community. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we won't throw Winnipeg anymore. No. But, uh, no, but my, my point is uh, Kingston is very ideally located, being right between Toronto, Montreal, and Ottawa, which is very unusual, being so close to three. Big cities, three. We're the most very... traveled corridor in North America. Yeah, yeah. Right? And if you're a musician who wants to hit up those places, like I know as a stand-up comic, it helps me to be here, just because it's like I can do Toronto one weekend, Ottawa the next, Montreal the next, and hit up three major cities. You know. See, and easily. it's it's funny, and you know, this is this is an area where I have to admit one of my own sort of uh, preconceived notions before I came up here. I was sort of thinking the opposite way in that you're two and a half hours from Toronto and you're two hours plus to Montreal <laughs> and you're an hour plus Have to Ottawa. Have you seen the size of our country? So, okay. Canadians are thing. used to driving. That's the thing, right? Like, it, I was looking at it completely wrong. You don't have, like, I was thinking it's like, you know, you're, you're sort of an island in the middle of... Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the county, as you all magically refer to the areas on the other sides of the city here, you're in the county. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's there's there's maybe the maybe what Kingston is doing is is providing like you're 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 feeding a hunger. Right. Because you can easily. I did it myself the other night when I was driving up here. I drove up into Toronto or through Toronto on my way to Kingston because it was a natural break coming from there to here. You know, it's, right. it's a five hour drive. It's Go to Toronto. Go to, I went to See, Scarborough. See, we do five Toronto. hours straight. We wouldn't even think about that. Because it's yeah. your thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's you're, you're right. Like it's it, <laughs> Kingston is a nice little landing pad, 
if you're going other places, you can stop here, put on a show, know you're going to have people are going to come out because it is such an important part of the, the fabric of the city and then go on to another place. Or you can just stay here and hang out and meet really cool people and hit up all of your restaurants because what is it? Second highest per capita outside of in North America, second only to New Orleans. I think that's what. Yeah, it's the highest mentioned? in in Canada right. anyway. Yeah. We yeah. make up, Crazy. we make it up every time we tell us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've heard it from. I've heard a lot of. We're the highest X per capita uh, this week. So there's some there's something about yeah, yeah. that too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Percentage of PhDs and restaurants, and there was yeah. music venues. I think was another one that came up. Okay. But like, you've got you've got your crud and. <laughs> you like to give yourself awards and they're probably all true and valid. Yeah. But it's it's again that collectiveness of yep. we've got a lot of stuff here for a city that's not huge. Well, and we've got a variety of venues. I, I keep coming back to the venues. I think the venues are the lifeblood of of any music scene, really. And the fact that there are an abundance of places to play on any given night. There's live music happening in Kingston mm-hmm. every single night. And, um, and we do our best... To chronicle what's happening when, and and we still miss it. We we we, we don't know everything that's going on. Sure. But th- the fact that there are so many venues that support live music, <laughs> and there needs to be more even because I think we've got more inventory than there is places to play. Believe it or not, and we don't. We really lack a medium, a good medium sized venue. But as as a as a tra- as a as a band that is touring regionally. A two and a half drive from Toronto or Montreal or Ottawa is actually ideal when you think about it, right? Sure. It gives them a, a great place. Not only that, but you know, often you're exposing yourself to um, to a college and university crowd mm-hmm. here if you're playing, right? Which is a fantastic um, thing to do. But venues are, are key and critical. I think the city should do more to support them or incentivize live music in our venues. The Royal Tavern just reopened, and they're doing live music again, which is great. But, you know, then other places have closed. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we, we lose a few, we gain one or two kind of thing. But mm-hmm. um, it's super important. Without places to play, without places to test your new material, without places to perform in front of a live uh, audience, you're not going to have the kind of healthy, thriving music scene that a place like Kingston enjoys, mm-hmm. you, you, you just won't. Artists will leave, they will go elsewhere. And that's what happens, unfortunately, in a lot of cities. Yes to everything Rob said. I think there's a lot of room for growth mm-hmm. in Kingston as well. Some of the points you made, like everyone talks about, we need a good medium-sized venue. Uh, one of the things I've been saying for a while, and I'll invite my colleagues here to comment, is the way I see it, there's sort of layers to the Kingston music scene. At the very core, there are the musicians, the venue owners, the organizers, the people that make it happen. Secondary to that is this sort of dedicated music audience that we're all talking about. But then there's this kind of periphery. There's the sort of casual audience or the people who are maybe not part of it. And the reason I point that out is because we talk about the Tragically Hip, we talk about the Glorious Sons, There's this weird thing that happens when a band from Kingston does become successful. That core that I'm talking about, those people know about them, Mm -hmm. but these bands should be household names before Mm -hmm. they break nationally, internationally. Like I remember when I was a kid, 
um, I think it was like grade seven or grade eight. And this was about the time that the hip uh, had uh, road, road apples had come mm-hmm. out. And we were going on this field trip to the courthouse. And my teacher <laughs> pointed out, uh, oh, and the uh, the the judge, uh, his son is in this rock band called the Tragically Hip. And I remember thinking, oh, that, that sounds exciting. But that was all that I really heard about them. I mean, mind you, I was like 12. But again, bands like that should be household names here before the rest. Sure. And I don't think we're quite there yet. But I think no. some of the things you're talking about, I think, are very important in making that happen. It's true. You know, I mean, there, there are bands um, that have seen a lot of international success or or broader national success outside of Kingston. And I don't know what their level of success uh, within Kingston's borders ever would have been. Wild Rivers is one of them. They are packing arenas and and auditoriums right now uh, across North America and the world. The Blue Stones mm-hmm. are another one, right? And they come back and they play here regularly, um, which is which is great. And they'll be back here again uh, in November, I think, for a show, which is fantastic. But I've always wondered... How many people were paying attention to these bands and thought there must have they must have had a level of support and affirmation and validation that they were doing the right thing to continue on <laughs> because you know I think they they probably found their first fans and their first audience in Kingston and that was enough to springboard them on to to bigger better things and then there are some bands that are going to be supremely popular forever and ever here in our city. Sure. We actually just did a podcast episode with Miss Emily, mm-hmm. who's amazing. Juno nominated. She's won award after award. Very, very popular here at home. Arguably very well known outside outside of our borders. And she is a musician who lives and works primarily mm-hmm. in Kingston. And she'll tour. Yeah. She'll tour. And she'll put out great records. But her core fan base is always Kingston where some bands break out of Kingston mm-hmm. and find their, you know, find fan bases abroad. So it's, it's been really interesting, interesting to watch her career though, specifically in Kingston, because she is one of those people who managed to make a career out of it in Kingston, just going outside of it, you know, a little bit, but she's also like, you would see her every Friday night at The Merchant for many years, right? Mm-hmm. And then she went from doing those bar gigs to, like, playing theaters, the Is- selling out the Isabel numerous times. And so it's been really cool to watch her career here. But she's not doing the same thing, right? You've really right. seen her grow and and never give up, too. Like, uh, we grew up together. She's, you know, we're in our 40s now. And we talk about how, you know, we're only getting better with age with the things that we do. And a lot of people uh, younger, and I know she's been told a lot, like, give up, give up, you yeah. know. Um, you're getting too old to do that kind of thing. But... I, you know, it's only been in the last few years that she was finally nominated for a Juno. She won several Maple Blues Awards. I feel like she's starting to get the recognition outside of Kingston that she's always should have had all along, mm. really. But yeah, it is interesting. You have those bands that like they do really well outside. You don't hear about them a lot here. And then other ones that are so successful here. And you think, man, everybody needs to hear about this person. Why are they everywhere? Yeah. But yeah I, think, exactly. I think that's amazing that you can be a working musician 
and and you you can eke out a living mm-hmm. here in Kingston. There's so many places to play, and and you can and be cost in different of bands. Living, let's be f- like it's yeah. decent compared to a large mm-hmm. city. You sure. know what I'm saying? Where a lot of musicians would have to live in order to be able to do what they do. Mm-hmm. I you know I want to contrast against uh, that against a conversation we had with Finney McConnell of the Mahones last year. They just put out a new record. Um, they've been at it thirty some odd years now. The Mahones. Mm-hmm. Arguably one of the biggest bands to ever come out of Kingston. I don't know how many Kingstonians would know much about the Mahone story, but those guys play massive festivals and arenas all over Europe and other places around the world all year long, rarely play in Canada. But I remember talking to Finney McConnell and he was describing to us how he intentionally took a very different route to success where... He saw his peers, uh, namely the guys in the Tragically Hip, um, whom he was a bandmate to in in the Filters way mm-hmm. back when. But he was explaining how they toured and toured and toured and traveled across Canada, which is a massive country, hours and hours and hours, you know, countless hours on the road, and and in tour buses and stuff like that. Whereas he decided that he wanted to take his product to Europe, where he could you know, go very quickly between major urban centers and, and share that. And, say, and, you know, it seemed to me like he was, it was a very intentional decision on his behalf. The path to success um, was very different for those bands, but it's interesting that they all got their their same start here in Kingston. Mm-hmm. And there's Glorious Sons. I feel like they blew up overnight. Like when I heard yeah. the song, I was like, Mama, what, what? Get these <laughs> kids on the radio. And they brought them in. And then like all of a sudden it was like a big, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like. I think they snuck up bands. on a lot of people. They but, did. But then in you, when the States, you, you for sure. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. But, you know, um, musicians like Chris Coster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was playing forever. I originally interviewed him for the first time. Beginner's Guide to Endings, I believe, was the name of his band. He was putting out solo stuff. And he was one of those guys, I feel like everyone was like, this dude's so talented. Why Why isn't he, like, right. crazy famous? Um, and then when he joined them, it was just like, yeah, that's that's the fit. That was there so gratifying to see yes. him successful with yes. that band. Such yeah. a talented guy. And he'd been doing it in Kingston for so long. Mm-hmm. And there's that community again. And then happy you have his for brother, this guy. Dave. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Who was with the hip forever. Billy Ray, sorry. Let's call him Billy Ray. <laughs> these bits and pieces of this Stitch tree, pieces, these roots right. that are mm-hmm. so interconnected and so interwoven that mm-hmm. you have this memory of this guy doing this thing here or this woman doing that thing there. And then when they when they make it, whatever making it looks like, you're like, man, I'm so glad for them. They deserve this. Mm-hmm. Nobody's like, ugh. Well, they're going to be a jerk now. There's none of that. There's no. Oh, he was a jerk before. Well, no. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, buddy. I love there's, you. there's just like that. People are cheering each other yeah. on here. Yeah. Or you're yeah. cheering on the musicians that you like. You're cheering yeah. on the idea of Kingston as a music city, which mm-hmm. I know is a is a sort of heavy, you know. That phrase is sort of it, it has a meaning, a very particular meaning, um, but mm-hmm. it, but it is, you know, people talk about Toronto, Nashville, New York, L.A., whatever. Kingston deserves its credit for that because there is no city that I can think of that is more living that every single day than yours. I feel like we've talked about that on the podcast, us being like the Nashville of the North. <laughs> uh, somebody else has mentioned, you know, the the proximity to, oh my God, was it you? 
Rob, was it you talking about Nashville and like the pickers and therefore like the community being similar, like the way that Nashville has like its its folk music and its, you know, its proximity to this, you know, feeds into the bigger musical diaspora. And I'm probably saying using the wrong word here, but like, you know, the, the communities feed off of each other. Which is something else that I wanted to ask about is the diversity of the types of music here. It's not just rock. It's everything. And maybe less, you know, the buckets might be smaller and shallower for some genres than others, but you've got a bunch. And that's worth talking about, worth celebrating, worth acknowledging, because, again, how, how does that happen? Yeah, I think we're definitely known for, I mean, uh, you know, you go back to the Tragically Hip and some of the bands that you mentioned. Yeah, we're definitely known for that kind of straight up rock let's call it thing. limestone rock sure like and you think about bands rock. like the harachis but, like where yeah. can you go and watch a band they're like arguably that. canada's premier surf rock band yeah. right you know and have been for a long time but but kingston's got its own hip-hop scene too yeah yeah there's fantastic talent coming up here mm-hmm. you know um and we don't shine the spotlight enough on that it also comes down to you know where's the sh- spotlight being shone commercially too right like i mean i think our commercial radio is probably dominated by, you know, rock, you know, classic well, we have rock stations. Two rock, two country, and two. We, we have way pop, too much country so, stations. Yeah. Way too many country stations. <laughs> yeah. So those tend to be the genres yeah. that get celebrated the most. Mm-hmm. But there is so much here, you know. Um, actually, uh, there's an artist here in town. His name is Ricky Brandt. He goes by the name Cacao, and he is putting out incredible um, music. It, he's a, a basically a solo funk act Hmm. it's incredible music right you know the kind of music that you know not everyone is is putting out in other places and stuff like that but there is you know there's almost there's a scene here you know for whatever kind of music you're into Mm -hmm. if you're into the blues there is a strong blues contingent here uh but you know whether it's you know funk hip-hop rock you know folk it's mm-hmm. it's huge, and there's even francophone bands that uh, that the call Kingston home, mm-hmm. and and artists. There was a competition that I judged a few years back. I believe that it was put on by the Isabel YGK Emerging Artists Competition. It was really neat. Um, there were several of us in the music community, uh, different artists, and you know just people in the music industry that judged. And I must have listened to, I would say, fifty to seventy different local artists of like all different genres and these people had an opportunity to put their submission in get feedback from people in the industry and the top ones went and performed at the Isabel and like just a really cool opportunity uh, for them I think someone was playing the sitar <laughs> that, that but you is, know what I mean? Like that was yeah. the the Santor. That was Yes, I was thinking of the Sitar at Joe's Mill. That's something yeah. else completely that my buddy took out. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what, you know, it's just cool that we even have Joe's that Mill stuff is another great Hill. story too. Joe's it's Mill? the, the very great. first music instrument lending library was started here in Kingston. And what a yeah. great idea! Yeah, yeah. what a wonderful idea! Yeah, because if you start the kids young, yes. they're going to have some real chops by the time they're in high school, let's say. And that's the age when they would start to form bands anyway, for the most part. And so now you've got the education starting young. You've got the access, the ability. You've got the skill. You've got the friends who will play in the band with you or come see you. You can start playing open mics at whatever age you have to be to start playing open mics where they'll let you into the coffee shop or the bar. And that seems, again, very organic. Like, 
if you raise kids hearing music, they might want to play their own. And isn't that a gift? You know, it's interesting. After everything we've talked about, I feel like you are asking the question, like, why Kingston? But, like, we talk about it, and it's like, why not? Like, it's literally a recipe for success. But there are other college (laughs) cities. There are other port cities. There are other places that have arguably the same abilities on paper that Kingston has, all the attributes, all the characteristics that Kingston has that, that make it so magical and so wonderful. It's not happening in those other cities. Mm. Or maybe I'm just looking and I have a bias. That's entirely possible, too. I, I would be remiss if I didn't. Maybe we have people. a bias. Yeah. I have a bias. Yeah, yeah, we all have biases. But it's, it's just, it's so beautiful to see, like, then this is, this is the part of the magic. Yeah. Of, it is happening here. You have all the components. The glue is being put in. The pieces are put together. And it, it, it is, it is happening. It's not a what if. It's not a why not. But it's a, yeah, of course. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Kingston Live. Be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. For more great Kingston music, check out the Kingston Live playlist on Spotify. For show listings, artist info, and all things Kingston music, check out kingstonlive.ca. You can also hear our sister show, Kingston Live On Air, on Amherst Island Radio and CFRC. The the jumping point from, from this, what sort of came along, we were talking about um, like weird spaces abnormalities the marysburg vortex yes yeah google it but you know <laughs> people talk about like you go to the grand canyon you go to some places and there's just there's spots on earth where like energies are different they feel heightened you feel like sensations that you know even if you don't believe in that kind of thing you feel different there or you feel something there and i wonder if part of the magic of kingston is if this is one of those places where those energies kind of collide or if, it, if they've settled here you mentioned um the the indigenous people who were here first is their particular kind of is their history their their magic for lack of a better term does that contribute to the staying power of the music scene here i, I think 100 percent. you know and they're still here and still making music and <laughs> practicing their culture and their ways which is awesome. And we need to do more at Kingston Live, I think, to to shine a spotlight on that. We always thought that we would get to that in very, fairly short order, but we can't get through like even just the stuff that's happening today fast enough, um, given that we're all a group of volunteers and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But yeah, it's, you know, it's really interesting. I've always thought that there is something about, you remember the Bermuda Triangle? I was fascinated with that as sure. a kid fascinated why does all this shit happen like in between like this but you know kingston sits within a triangle between toronto montreal and ottawa and i always thought well maybe there's just something to that there's a lot of energy happening in those cities you know one is our national capital kingston being the very first capital of canada and just always thought that maybe there's just like a vibe that is is here just being so proximate to those other places you know, and then there's New York State just to the south, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's that was always my hunch. It was just like, oh, well, this just seems naturally like it would be, you know, a bit of, you know, a funnel for for talent and for people and, and that kind of stuff. You know, and a bit and a bit of a stop in between all of those places, mm-hmm. right? So, um, but yeah, I don't know. As a Western New Yorker natively, you know, we get a ton of Canadian bands that come down because we're the first city over the border. So a lot of Canadian bands have very, very supportive rabid fan bases in Buffalo, Western New York. I mean, any Mm -hmm. Canadian band of the past 30 years has 
played at least a couple of shows in Buffalo, whether it's the ballroom or art park or the Trelf, which I think sadly we're losing. Um, great, great, great room. Um, but there are, it's just, we trade our culture so evenly and so freely. You know, I grew up listening to your radio stations and you probably watched our TV, especially from Toronto. Like that was Commander Tom's World Saturday morning. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, we share it all so easily. One of the first conversations I have with you guys are like, how do you know these bands? Like, how do I not know these bands? <laughs> like, I, I I love your radio. That's what I that's like, what I've I was done. Listening to ninety eight picks Y in Rochester, you were sure. listening to us. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really interesting, and I don't think yeah. I, I don't think any of us were really cognizant of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, we absorb so much of your media, but yeah. the fact that it actually is bilateral is very surprising. It is, yeah. but it's it's very. Forgive me for playing stereotypes here. It's very Canadian of you to think that we wouldn't appreciate your culture as much as you take from ours. <laughs> right? Well, so, okay. Something I always come back to, because in my business, I do a lot of voiceover work. And I'm always working with voice talent, and we're talking about accents and things like that. Oh, God. And, okay, yeah, this had to come up eventually. But um, ignoring the aboot about stuff. Yeah. Um, one of the, the, the things that we, we come back to is... Americans are very sensitive to the Canadian accent. Canadians are completely oblivious sure. to the American accent because yeah. we consume so much American media. I mean, we can talk about this, you know, Ontario to New York thing, mm-hmm. but I mean, the films, the, you know, the music, you know, there's a lot of American culture woven into Canadian culture. Sure. Yeah. Um, Western New York has a terrible accent. And I, I say this with all due love and, you know, respect to, to the people that I live with. But I didn't notice it until I was dating a guy in college who was born in California, but lived in Virginia at the time. He's like, oh, my God, your mom and her vowels. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I was uh, years later, I was living with my, my two roommates and they would pick on me when I came back from being home because I slip into very obnoxious A's. Because he came back. Because I, I, I came, I came back to Western New York, and all of a sudden, it, my sister, my sister's name is A S H L E Y, and I say it Ashley way up here, <laughs> Ashley. You know, and the yeah. thing on the wall with the dates is a calendar, calendar. Yeah. But yeah, like I think Canadian voices. How are, much did that shirt thing. cost you? What's that? You got the rock and the rock and the T-shirt. Uh, oh God, it was a number of years ago. I don't remember. Twenty-five dollars. Listen, I'm sorry. I'm just like, <laughs> I used to pride myself on being able to pick it out. And I, it's not so yeah. easy, but like, I, I always found the A. The, you got to listen for the A's. Technology is technology. The, yep. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you and I have done that before. We've done this yeah. before. Sure. I, yes. Yeah. There are some um, words. The yeah. OUs and mm-hmm. the A's are a big giveaway yep. because yeah. the American Ooh. accent, it's more of an ah sound. Ooh, they would say about, we say about. It's not a boot. Uh-huh. Nope. It's about. We really lean into them. Um, Mazda, Mazda. Yes. Pasta, pasta. Yep. Those two. Uh, some giggle. of us say pasta too, and as a half Italian, that drives yeah. me insane. I mean, it's just <laughs> we're so close, and yet there's there's those little yeah. differences that are like, oh, we actually aren't the same place. Although yeah. the most egregious offense between our two countries was when we had to have a passport to come over here. <laughs> I'm upset about it. Yeah, you didn't used to. I used to walk across the Rainbow Bridge like all the time. No big deal. School field trips. Copy of your your birth certificate. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then when you were older, it was like, where do you live? Oh, I live here. Okay, what are you going up for? 
going <coughs> for, to see Radiohead at, at yeah. uh, Maple Leaf Gardens. Okay, have a good time. I've said that Done. Show. I passed so, out. Would, would, <laughs> would, would it be the biggest cliche ever if I apologized for that? Um, no, because so, sorry. As long as you say I'm sorry. Sorry. I, uh, oh. That's, That's another one. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. yeah. No, I, I will tell my like I apologize for everything. I think I, that's my Canadian is coming out. I think everyone in Buffalo should just be honorary Canadians. Maybe we should be honorary. Can we start a petition yeah. to make that happen? Yeah, honestly. that sounds lovely. No, anyone on the like you know, and anyone in Minnesota too. Same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have the same nasal issues. We yeah. might as well have the same you know luxury yeah. of, of passage back and forth. Totally. Exactly. Why not? <laughs> Why not? I'll bring you more Anchor Bar sauce if you can help yes. me make this happen. Mm. Yes. Totally. We'll just bring a truck up. I love it. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> but again, we're sharing we're sharing food, we're sharing culture, we're sharing music, we're sharing TV. We're the same. So we're the same. Um I was gonna ask who was your who was your favorite Canadian band when you oh, were God. when you were younger? When I was younger? Yeah. Like define younger. Are we well, talking I like, like little watching, or are we like talking watching high you were mentioning like watching the video shows on uh, you know, the Canadian video shows. Oh god. On, well on at TV. that age it was probably we probably saw a lot of Corey Hart. Right. Never surrender, sunglasses at night, all um, that good stuff. Yeah. yeah, he probably stood out the most at that age. I was once interviewing Corey Hart, and I was like, do you ever get tired of singing sunglasses at night? And he's like, no, that's my bread and butter. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, good yeah. for you, because every time you sing it, you probably like, yeah, give me the money. <laughs> Two more loonies in the bank. I think, yeah. I, I never surrender, though. Like, <laughs> that's, that's such a good song. That's the song. That's the song. So good. Listen to the Rose Cousins version, who is a yeah. Canadian artist. Oh, my God. It makes me cry. Yeah. Oh. Uh, that's amazing. Okay. I will, I will send you a link. <laughs> Please. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because you were exposed to a lot of Canadian music living mm-hmm. not far away from the Canadian border. We have Canadian content laws mm-hmm. here in Canada that help ensure that a portion of our, you would know more 35%. about this <laughs> than <laughs> I would. Per hour. <laughs> um, but I wanted to say that K- Kingston is also very supportive. Um, our municipal government, we, we have a strong... Um, uh, arts and culture department who gives a lot of time and effort into into music here and many other things. They've got a lot of things in their portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, if but, you get uh, put on hold with the city of Kingston, it will be like a local artist that you I will love listen that. To. Yeah, not the whole yeah, part, right? but that that's yeah. they're supporting yeah. in that way. Yeah, yeah. it's that that sort of passive support, but that's <laughs> yeah. so important. It is one of the best venues in town. The Grand Theater is owned and operated by the city of Kingston, and they curate some amazing acts through the grand on stage series mm-hmm. that comes through there and uh, world-class acts come through there and, and they're responsible for making that happen. There's now a music strategy that is, that is in play by the city of Kingston where they are. I know you use the term music city, mm-hmm. you know, which is sort of an official title mm-hmm. for, for, you know, municipalities that have gone through the process to become one and get that level of certification. But, um, and I'm, I'm not sure if that's on the roadmap. It might possibly be, but you know, they're now investing in, in spearheading a, a music strategy. So Kingston Live won't be the only stakeholder who's trying to make sure that, that our, uh, you know, our music economy is being nurtured, um, and shepherded and, uh, and bettered. But, uh, I'll be very anxious to see what comes out of that. And, not anxious, excited, mm-hmm. interested, and and we hope to participate in that process as well. There's yeah. a whole infrastructure in Canada to support musicians and artists that just doesn't exist in the states. Whether it's whether it's CanCon laws or Maple or Factor or whatever it is, like 
your government wants to support people who want to be creative. That is a gift. I don't know how much That's of nice that is hear. a response as long as you to stand up comedy. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and their, their whole not sort of not. perfect system. But anyway. it's just from the outside looking in, it's just like, oh my god. Mm. I don't know. Incredible. I don't know how much of this, that is a, is a response to just being neighbor to a very noisy, you know what I mean? Um, and and that's not, country. yeah, that's not a criticism. Like, it's fine to say it. I know. Not a criticism. Not no, but like, you know, we, yeah, it's like, you know, we pay attention to what's happening mm-hmm. uh, down there. Your medium might is so much greater than ours. I think our population is sparser spread across a larger geography, um, but we pay attention and stuff. And I think some of that, some of it maybe does exist to, to just ensure that our artists have a fair shot but you're right. There's a lot of things that we do, and I hope there's lots more that we continue to do in Canada to support those artists. They need it. They need it everywhere, including the, mm-hmm. the United States. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what programs are, are in place down there, but it's <laughs> it's it's <laughs> tremendously important. And I think I think not enough artists are actually aware of the support that it, that sure. is available to them here, and are exploiting the opportunities to them. I I, I just know that I just know that they're not. Amber, I'm glad you point that out because I think we take that for granted here, uh, the supports that that do exist. And really, I, I hope that there's more on the way, both municipally, as we've been saying, but also hopefully nationally. Because one of the sort of holes, I think, in the Kingston music scene and the Kingston music economy is we still have a lot of musicians who aren't working full time. Mm -hmm. There are several that do. I would love to see more of them working full time because when you go out, you you, it's easy to forget these people have other jobs. They don't play like people who have day jobs. I remember somebody said that Kingston bands are not bar bands. There's mm-hmm. more happening there. Yep, for sure. One thing to say to that I was thinking about earlier, which is really cool, is when I go to other cities and I see bar bands, I would say, I'm just going to throw out a percentage that's just like in my mind, but like 80 to 90% of it is like cover music, yeah. right? And in Kingston, they play original music and then every once in a while you'll hear a cover. Yep. But it's never expected like that... You go up to show up to see a band and you want to hear cover music. Like right. <laughs> people are there to see that band or mm-hmm. to discover something new. Yep. So I love that. And there's I, loads of cover places bands too. It's not appreciated sure. yeah. as much though. Yep. Oh yeah. Not to say that either, but I know some cities you walk in and you'll hear people yelling at the band like, play Zeppelin. And they're like, but this is a song I wrote. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I feel like it, you wouldn't get so much of that yeah. uh, around here. People would you know, yeah, appreciate both of them, hopefully. Right. I, I used to live in another city for a while. I won't name it. Belleville? No, but, was it? Uh, <laughs> I, I won't say what it was, okay. but I used to call comment on what I would call the rent-a-bands, where it'd be these guys that, and they're playing all covers, and they they don't match. There's like one really old guy, one guy who's like in high school, and you could tell it was just like, who's free this weekend to play some Skinnerd and stuff? Do you know these songs? You're in. Yeah. 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 You see, I think you see a little bit of that here, but not as much. No. 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 Which there's a skill in that to be able to just jump in with somebody. No, it's great if you're jamming, yeah. Here it's like, you know, if you're you're playing an all original set. But again, your bassist breaks their hand or, you know, the drummer has the flu or something. You can find someone else who can play those original songs mm-hmm. within a little bit. Exactly. Because everybody's so flippin' talented. 
Yeah. Like that's yeah. that's nuts. Yeah. That's nuts. And I hope that the bands that <clears throat> do need day jobs eventually don't. You Absolutely. know, because mm. if if they can whatever success means, whatever being able to support yourself as a musician means, like I'm thinking of my friends in and I haven't mentioned them yet, but like I'm thinking of my friends in Casador and I'm thinking of, you know, I'm I'm not as well entrenched with the wilderness yet, but that's probably inevitable at this point. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, you know, I, I know that, you know, Boris works in like physical therapy and I know that Jonas bartends and I know that uh, Stephen works for a health center. And I think Cam is more or less a full time musician, but they've supported Stephen and Cam have supported Miss Emily a number of times. But I think what you're pointing out is an example of what I call constellations. Like there's all these yes. constellations here. We talk about the broader ecosystem here a lot in the broader community, <clears throat> but we've noticed just from talking to artists and talking to others in, in the industry over the past few years, there's these sort of these constellations, these clusters that happen. Um, you know, there's a cluster around the Skeleton Park Arts Fest, which I think had its roots in the Apple Crisp movement and label oh, cool. b- back then. Yeah. And I think a lot of the artists that were involved there, you know, have grown up and matured in, in that, that constellation has grown and expanded. The Gertrude seem to be at this, at the center of, of, of that one. Someone's got to map these constellations out because I find them Let's go. fascinating. Yeah. Well, you're going to be meeting with Chris Brown yeah. on Wolf Island. Tomorrow. And there's a constellation mm-hmm. happening out there. There's Wolf Island Records mm-hmm. largely centered around around that. And the, and the new hotel Wolf Island as a music venue and stuff like that. And there's so many amazing artists that exist out there and that are part of that movement. But they're bringing in some fantastic artists to play at the hotel Wolf Island too. And like, what a great place to be and to live like wolf island like it's not downtown kingston it's kind of hard to get to because there's a ferry you got to take kind of thing but they got their own thing going on out there and it's just as magnificent how wonderful is that yeah you don't just have the downtown kingston core you've got these offshoots right and even if it's not terribly far away what is it about this ecosystem here that allows for these offshoots and for these little subgroups to to come together again doesn't happen everywhere Bigger cities, sure. One hundred thirty-three thousand population city. Show me another one. Yeah, yeah. Note the silence feel. in the room here. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> so I'm just not good at geography. <laughs> <laughs> Have you found anything surprising yet so far? Sound engineers are philosophical. That's true. Yeah, it's yeah. it's. <laughs> I've been never been a sound engineer. That's wild. Philosophical. I don't. Actually. I don't know why that surprised me, but it it, it sure did. It <laughs> sure did. Uh, hey, you know what? There must be a, a lot of sound engineers. In, I haven't even thought about that, but like you know, just imagine like you know, when you think about the music economy here, it's mm-hmm. not just about artists. It's not just about venues. There's many different tentacles to it. And and there's the ecosystem. Right, exactly. Because it's not just the musicians. It's also the venues. It's also the fans. It's also the people who make the shows happen. Mm. And you have to have enough of them to have music every single night. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. But again, why are they all here? Why is it happening here and not somewhere else? Why is it not happening as much uh, in the county or in Peterborough or wherever? I, I feel like we've given you all the answers that we have at this right. point. Other than that, I think I, we can only wait for your it's book. Magic. Yes, <laughs> which I am hoping there will be some kind of an answer in there, or you know, maybe. Do we want the just, answer though? Maybe not. Or is it more fun yeah. that everybody's got their own? Take Always on it? wonder. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because it, it kills the magic. It kills the beauty of it, right? Can you make it like a choose your own adventure kind of thing? Like, Why are you making this harder on me? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've already... So we can read it multiple <laughs> times in different ways. Well, I, I hope that when it comes out that... You get a different answer would. every time you read it, right? Yeah. It's like, oh. I do like that idea. Maybe that's the picture book version of it. <laughs> you know? You, so you want to be a... <laughs> and then follow your path and you know it ends up being another you know prison show or another um massive thing at at the leon center or somewhere else or somewhere else completely unexpected there's a field somewhere that people just gather in and everybody brings their own instruments and it's just like this massive jam session there is it's called the blue skies music festival i don't know if you've ever been there it happens every <laughs> year in clarendon ontario just north of kingston <laughs> i finally went to it this year it is exactly what you described. Oh, yeah? Really? Yeah, it is amazing. And you guys should all go. That sounds like so, heaven. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. And and stuff like that happens here. And it, I think next year will be its 50th anniversary. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's been happening for 50 years. It started with, with a, a few guys who just wandered out in the woods with their instruments one year and decided, <laughs> we should do this again and bring some friends next year. <laughs> that is how the story goes. Wow. Anyways, See, that's now, how it was related to me. That could but, be a whole separate like fiction book. About people who live in the woods and come out at night to play music and like the communities that they build in the trees. You're going to be meeting with, with Alan Rankin. You ask him about Blue Skies Music Festival. Okay. He was the musical director there for a number of years. Ah, okay. Talk to him about the roots of it. It's a completely self-organized thing. It's bizarre and so fascinating. That's I love a, it. Among other things, Al, Al is a great guy. So I feel like tomorrow is going to end up being a really busy, dense day. And I love it. But man... You hit a wall after a while. It's just like yeah. your eyes start to, like, I, I, I can't, I want to know more, but like, I need to, I need to step back. But I don't want to step back, which is why I'm going to be up here a couple <laughs> more times doing this research because it, there's so many stories. Like n the bands that I know are the tip of the iceberg. So that means everything else also is, Yeah. you know, yeah. and in, in talking with, with um, Brian at the record store yesterday, he's like, you're going to have to narrow down the scope of your book in his, <laughs> in his sage wizard like way. He's like, because... You can't write about everything. Yeah, you should focus on this type of music because if you go too far afield from that, like it'll just be a million-page book. But you think a city of this size, you could probably capture it in a book. And and I just that, that's that is sage advice from from Brian because we'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> well, we're, we're fifty episodes into our podcast, and yeah, I don't think yep. we've gotten any closer, you know, to the truth of it. But. Uh, we're still on this quest, still discovering, you know, yeah. and we're in the middle of it. And it's really interesting to hear someone who's observing this from the outside, who's developed as keen a fascination as we have. I'm about. so grateful to be someone who can come into town and meet with people who are willing to talk with an outsider about this. Like, who the hell am I to come up from Buffalo and be like, I'm going to tell your story. That was my next question. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And y'all should run me out of town on a rail for being this, like, egotistical. Well, like, we've been trying to tell it for four years, and you're clearly, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, we appreciate you coming and talking to us about it. And I think from our perspective, we don't, I mean, you guys have maybe been trying to answer the why for a while. I don't think so much about the why is just, like, appreciating it and doing what we can to, like, keep it going and keep it thriving and move it forward. And people who are passionate about that in this community We'll just do that naturally, just like mm -hmm. you're talking about writing a book. Like you're interested, you want to know more, and you dive into it. And I think people around here, 
who love music will do whatever it takes, whether it's going out to support a show, whether they're making an album in the studio that they've created. You know, guys like John, like, he's an interesting dude. He goes out and plays in places. <laughs> he does production. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of people that have, like, multiple skill sets mm-hmm. as well. Uh and so, yeah, just community. I think John yeah. mentioned that earlier, and it really does come back it, to that. I think it came up once or twice. Yeah. In community, this chat. community, community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the appreciation is yeah. a big part, too, and the gratitude yeah. and like understanding that you have something special here. And people are willing to go out on a Monday night mm-hmm. in the middle of winter to go see a band. <laughs> and they're, 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 they're going. They They're going. smell the carpet in that bar and mention it. They oh. will do it. We, we, know, we know the one you're talking about. It's worth it every yeah. time. Yeah. See? Well, That's the thing. I think this has been great for us. This has been, at the very least, a nice change of pace. This little role reversal of, hey, ask us some questions. <laughs> but no, it's really neat to sort of get your perspective and to realize, yeah, thing, we, we know it's good here, but maybe it's a little better than we think. So I'm, thank you for that. Thank you for having me and for bringing me in for this. This is, you know, I was looking forward to talking with you guys in general, but then like, hey, let's make it an episode. And oh, okay, let's. <laughs> and you know, I, I, I don't come up, you know, knowing or expecting to things are going to go a certain particular way. But this has been so much fun. This has been so much fun, and like every conversation I've had this week has been, uh, it'll be a half an hour and I'll be done. Nope, no. it's it it goes and it goes because it's so. I know this easy. may actually be two episodes. Well, I was gonna say this <laughs> might be our longest podcast yet. We'll we'll know once we stop. Once recording. you edit it, yeah, and you cut out all of yeah. we'll my ridiculousness, yeah, yeah. It's been wonderful, and I think all of you have like a slightly different perspective, but it comes to that same place of like Kingston's awesome, and we're so glad to be here and we know that we have something really cool so thanks for not yelling at me for trying to be the one to help share that with the rest of the world like i'm not going to try to blow your city up with like too many people but i have no, a feeling that no, would be a blow problem. it up yeah no thank <laughs> in you in a for... good positive blow up way like let's be clear yeah that we're not talking about like bad things like this is this is good like kingston's not going to be the next austin but yeah. we hope it will be maybe maybe it is maybe it will <laughs> That'd be well cool. thank you for approaching us thank you for what you're doing and we look forward to your book now i gotta write the damn thing yeah good luck with that yeah thanks yeah. <laughs> you need an extra set of eyes on it oh i sure will you got three three here that wouldn't mind reading it i i, I sure will and <laughs> i i will probably take you all up on that plus hit you up for more contacts and secondary questions and all that good stuff and we'll hit you up for more buffalo sauce Anytime. Yes. I'll mail it up. Awesome. We're coming down for wings. <laughs> Come down for wings. I'll take you yeah. to the good places. <laughs> Thank awesome. you so much. Thank you all very much. I appreciate it. This has been Kingston Live. We encourage you to rate us on your listening platform of choice and subscribe where possible. For show listings, artist info, and all things Kingston music, check out kingstonlive.ca. Kingston Live was produced in Kingston by Titan Sound, hosted by Rob Howard, John Sanfilippo, and Ange Stever. Voiceovers by Riley Jabor and John Sanfilippo. Writing and research by Peter Sanfilippo. Executive producer Rob Howard. Kingston Live is a member of the Canadian Live Music Association. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at kingstonlive.ca. That was so much fun. Yeah. No one's ever not had a good time here. That's not true because I've read some scripts, Johnny, that I've struggled to get through. No, you had fun. You had fun.